Welcome to the Rim 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 Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Hey, 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 I'm glad to be here. It's another great day here on the RimPro Report. And on today's show, which is a early production of the RimPro Report, rather than doing a lot of interviews, which I'm still in process of scheduling, I wanted to give you an old interview I had done a number of years ago, and I want to replay that interview for you because I think it can help you immensely. It's still as valid today as it ever was, and it's all about publicity. And instead of doing a lot of introductions about that interview, I'm just going to let the interview play. I do all the introductions on that interview. But before we get started, I just want to remind you that we have a lot of cool opportunities, a lot of cool programming to happen in the days and weeks and months ahead. And if you have not yet uh, been contacted by me and you want to contact me to either talk about what you're doing uniquely in your RIM service business or you have a product or service that uh, it might be interesting to people in the RIM service industry across that range of things from records management to document management to imaging scanning, shredding destruction, data protection and media vaulting, all of those different areas we're going to be covering in this show. So I want to hear from you, but without any further ado, let's get back into this interview. Take a listen. This is incredibly good stuff, and I hope you enjoy it. Today we are going to be talking about publicity and how to get it effectively. But instead of talking to someone who's merely a consultant or a practitioner, we are going to the inside, to someone who's on the delivery end of stories that happen every day. In an unusual twist, I get to interview a reporter today. And uh, I'm really excited to have Jeff Crilly with me today. Jeff, are you there? I sure am. How are you? I'm great, Jeff. Great to have you uh, today, and I'm looking forward to this call. In a nutshell, let me tell um, those of you who are listening uh, about Jeff. Jeff is an award winning emmy winning reporter from dallas and a little bit about more about him and then i'll let him explain a bit more maybe Uh, during his 20 years in television news news he's made hundreds of uh, national news appearances including cnn uh, fox discovery channel good morning america and cbs early show Um, and that's just today that's That's just today and yeah yeah, i'm I'm quite impressed (laughs) with that Uh, he's been recognized by peers with dozens of national and regional awards, including the Emmy, the National Headliners Award, the Edward R. Murrow Award. Isn't that a really good one? That's, oh, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Everything I've heard about the Edward R. Murrow is, is quite impressive. The Thurgood Marshall Award, wow. And in 2004, was named by the Texas Associated Press the best TV reporter in the state. So, folks, we've got, we, we've got top of the line today. Um, and you're still, you, you work with Fox News now? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, I'm still a I'm kind of kind of the go-to lead reporter guy for the Fox station in Dallas. So so most nights on the nine and ten o'clock news here in in Dallas, you'll see me. 
Wow, that that is fabulous. I am uh, I am really excited to have you uh, on today because I, I think a lot of times um, it's you know when we talk about publicity and when people talk about it, we're we're talking from our side of the. Uh, the equation we're talking from those of us who think we know what we're doing and reality it, it just makes a whole lot of sense to to sort of come from the your side um tell tell me a bit about what what your average day looks like you know in terms of what you deal with on an average day well i have kind of a weird life my tv station told me i could not accept speakers fees so most most mornings i wake up early go out and give a couple of speeches and then uh, put on my hat and go do TV news. So it's like when I'm not doing the news, I'm teaching people how to do the news. But essentially, we come into the to, to work. My my work schedule is I come in at two. I get about half an hour to check my voicemail, check my email, get back with people. By two thirty, I'm in a meeting pitching the story that I want to do for that night's news. And at three o'clock, I, I like to joke that they they've made up my mind for me. <laughs> they've been They've decided what I'm going to be doing that day, and then I'm out chasing what they want me to chase for the rest of the day. So where your audience comes in is is basically what do they have that's newsworthy? Sometimes they want to pitch reporters like me, a general assignment reporter with the mainstream media, and sometimes they want to do niche marketing. They want to pitch industry publications, publications that, that can reach their customers. I, I like to say just ask yourself a very simple question before you start to do publicity. Who am I trying to reach? What do they read? What do they watch? What are they listening to? And if, if many of the people listening to this are going to be B2B, they may, uh, it may be more important to pitch business journals or industry magazines than it would be their local CBS, ABC, NBC, and Fox. Make sense? Yeah, no, and that that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I guess maybe you know the the big question that comes out of that is, does publicity work for these kind of people? I mean, that that I guess is the the question that that I find uh, they ask me: Does publicity work for us? I mean, we're business to business, we're small, we're local, um, and I mean, what you know well, from what, your perspective? Well, what I say is, if you're doing it my way, first of all, you're not spending any money. So how bad can it be to get picked up in a, in a magazine? Uh, I mean, if you go into most restaurants or most people's offices, what do you see framed on their wall? Is is articles written about them. I mean, they're terribly proud of that stuff. But I say to people, don't be an accident. Don't wait to be discovered. Just figure out what your story is. Pick up the phone and call the right reporter to make it happen. So... Uh, if, if, the, if the question is, you know, how, how rich can they expect to get if they follow your advice, Jeff, I think they're going into it with the wrong pair of glasses. You're not, I mean, if, if, if fame and fortune comes your way, because everybody dreams on be, being on Oprah, then, then more power to you and, 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 and bless you if it happens. I think you should go, you should go into it uh, with realistic expectations and say, I'm going to raise my profile in my industry. I'm going to raise my profile with my customers. If it leads to more sales, then um, excellent. If it doesn't, what's the worst thing that happened? Well, you got another thing to hang on the wall. So how bad can it be? So uh, I think that, that what your audience needs to know primarily is, is you can't pick up a, a phone and call a reporter, even if it's with an industry magazine, and say, hey, d do a story on me. I sell widgets because it's kind of like a who cares. You have to figure out what is it that I have to say that's important to this uh, publication's readers or, in, a, in the case of a television station, their, their, their viewers. 
So, so let's. I mean, I work so well in the concrete world, Tom. Let's 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 take it for instance. What's what's one of your um, Okay, so so one of one of my clients might be a, a shredding company. Uh-huh. They, they shred documents for uh, businesses. Uh, they, you know, in order to to uh, ensure there's privacy uh, of their documents, sure. ensure nobody finds that kind of stuff. Okay, so that, that's a very pra- practical example. Very practical, very easy. Actually, there's a chapter in my book called The Feeding Frenzy. I I, I can't remember if we mentioned. I, I wrote a book on publicity, so I studied my business. And one of the chapters is called the feeding frenzy. Feeding frenzy means when we're aggressively shopping for one story, like we are ID theft. We've been shopping for ID theft as a story for about four years now. Right. Every single time documents are found behind a uh, doctor's office that haven't been shredded and has confidential information in there, that makes the news. I mean, I'm, I'm in Dallas. It's the fifth largest television market, and I can tell you, it just you know, it seems like every three, four months, one of the TV stations in town is doing a story about how horrifying it is that somebody walked by a dumpster to dump something and looked and found all these documents that haven't been shredded and they have everybody's social on them. So that's that's a feeding frenzy. That's a, that's a time for for every um, shredder in the in the area to call the con- you know contact the TV stations and say, hey, your lead story last night was about. Um, Finding medical records behind a doctor's office that hadn't been shredded. I would, I'd love to help you with a story on how how is it possible in the year 2007 that people aren't shredding their documents, and and you don't have to you know go out to your local supermarket and get a get a, a little fifty dollar shredder. These, you know we there's there's services that go out there and, and they do this for you, and and there's absolutely no excuse in this year. For, for people not shredding documents. If you, Joe Blow, with Channel 8 Eyewitness News, want to do a follow-up on that great report you did last night, follow us around for the day. We'll show you what we do, and, and we'll show you why it's, uh, it's, it's not just good business sense. It's, it's critical in this lawsuit-happy society that people are shredding their stuff. Okay. See, see the interesting – yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And see, the interesting thing to me is the way you you just described it there um, is so easy. Uh, uh-huh. and, and I think the dilemma is that that many people uh, get to the place where they go, oh, it's such a huge hassle to make this all happen. I mean, it it you know the fear factor of what what they're actually getting into often keeps them from doing it. And I mean, the way mm-hmm. you just described it makes it sound so easy. Pick up the phone and say, hey, you did a story last night on this. I I think I can help you with this. And this is you know this is my this is how I could help your story. Right, right. Yeah, actually, I think the news process, because people see it on television or they, they get this, this newspaper that looks so professional, it's a little intimidating. You say, wow, these guys must get hundreds of calls, and who am I, and what do I have of value for these guys? You know, honestly, you're one phone call away from getting uh, booked on one of the national shows if you have uh, – the right pitch together, and and let's let's work a little bit on that. One okay. of the things that if you if you if you really studied what I said, it was filled with passion. I think the most effective sales pitches, uh, and this is a sale. You're you're the seller of news. The reporter buys news for a living. The most effective sale sales are filled with passion, and they're also putting the spotlight on the right thing, which is the message rather than the messenger. And this is where most PR firms fail. 
they they or their clients are so um, stuck to putting the name of the of the shredding company in the in the headline of the press release that the newsrooms look at this and say, oh my goodness, this is a commercial for some shredding company, and they pitch it in the in the, in the trash. So what what the mess what the spotlight should be on in 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 a press release and in a phone pitch is the value to the readers, listeners, viewers. And if you go back and listen to how I made that pitch work, and you, and you made the comment, well, it sounds so easy, it's because I had the spotlight squarely uh, on the, the, the viewer. Mm. In the year 2007, it's inexcusable for businesses, for doctor's offices, not to shred their documents. With ID theft going crazy, with lawsuits going crazy, it's it's not just a nice idea anymore. It is 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 absolutely mandatory, because t- too many people fall victim to ID theft every every day. Don't worry, you'll get the publicity. You'll get you. They'll mention the shredding company. They'll mention mention it several times. If the TV crew bites, and and follows you along on on your uh, a day in the life of a shredder. They're going to uh, give you all kinds of plugs. They may yeah. even shoot the, your logo. Uh, they're right. gonna, when, when they interview you, they'll put the name of your shredding company on TV. But all of this only happens if you, when you, when you pitch the reporter, that you don't sound like a commercial. Well, and, and that's that's the hard thing not to do, and I, I think that's that's where most um, I, I see at least with the people that I work with it that that's that's the struggle. It's they're always trying to push themselves out there, and 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 frankly, most of most uh, reporters, most clients, most prospects don't care about them. They care about their own problems, predicaments, and pain. They, right. they care what's happening in their own world, and um, and and when you, you know, when you're starting to pitch yourself, you're not pitching yourself. You're pitching what matters to them. Exactly, exactly. And and I, I can, if I go to the trash can of my newsroom today, I will find big Fortune 500 PR firms that spend an outrageous amount of their clients' money, and they make the same mistakes. They, mm. they, they have the name of their client right there in the headline, and the gatekeeper, the assignment manager, who's making a quick decision on a press release, because all they do is they read the headline in the first sentence. That's all they do. They make a quick decision, and and if the name, I mean, if it, if if the, let's take the shredding example, yeah. if the uh, shredder had written a press release that said, um, shredit.com uh, thinks shredding is 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 necessary in 2007, the the gatekeeper, the assignment manager, takes a glance at that and says, oh, commercial for some shredding company, right. And, it, and he pitches it in the, in the trash. There may be a reporter that sit, is sitting seven feet away that would absolutely love that story. Uh. We never get it, we never get a chance to see it. So the process breaks down at the uh, at the gatekeeper level, and that's something I discovered. I'll, I'll just share this with with your uh, with your listeners because I think they'll they'll appreciate this. I, I've been around press releases my entire adult life. I, I, I see them every day, but I've never been the person who makes the first decision on a press release. I only see it if it makes the first cut. If if it doesn't get thrown in the trash or deleted in the form of email, they may hand it to me and say, hey, Jeff, go do a story on the shredding company, especially after the last night's story. Go do a story on the shredding company. That's the first time I see it. So I wanted to write intelligently for this book on publicity, so I had to ask a question I had never asked before. I went up to our gatekeeper, our assignment manager, and I said, hey, Gary, how quickly do you read a press release to figure out whether something is or isn't a story? 
And I, I knew we read them fairly quickly, Tom, but I, I had no idea how quickly. He starts, he, he grabs 20 faxes off the fax machine, and he starts going through them just this quickly. He says, nope, nope, maybe, nope, nope. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, Gary, how are you doing that? He says, oh, man, it's easy. You glance at the headline first sentence. You can pretty much figure it out. I said, what, what, what happens if there's a great story buried in there? It's just like hidden in the third or fourth paragraph. And he says something I'll never forget. He says, you know what, Jeff, if they're not smart enough to write a good press release, they don't deserve our coverage. And, and I looked sadly down at the, at the coverage cannon, and it was overflowing with press releases, and I was horrified, and I said, oh, my goodness. If I know this and I work around press releases, there's no way the world knows this. And so I came up with a very simple formula, and I'm, I'm going to share it with you right now. In fact, a uh, speaker scold me. I just had a speaker scold me. He says, Jeff, you're giving too much information. They won't need to buy your book. I don't care. I'm going to give it all away right now. This is the secret formula. This is the KFC, Colonel Sanders secret recipe. Okay. Study the news and yeah. make a phone. And, and with the Internet these days, there's no excuse for you not to be able to study the news. I'll, I'll give you a little example. This, this is this morning's speech, Tom. I was speaking to a small group in Dallas, and I picked somebody out of the audience, and I said, what do you want to promote? And, and they, have a, they have a sleep clinic uh, treating people with sleep d- disorders. Okay. And I said, well, how many, how many sleep clinics are there in Dallas-Fort Worth? They said about 30. I said, all right, well, I'm going to make your competition hate you because I'm going to show you how you can get in the paper consistently or on television consistently. And I pulled out my little wireless laptop, and I handed it to uh, one of the ladies with the the sleep disorder clinic. And I said, put in, because we're going to pitch the Dallas Morning News, I said, pull up dallasnews.com. That's the, the, our, uh, our local paper's website. Mm-hmm. And most of the larger paper toms, they allow you to search their archives for free. So we, uh, we put into the little search box right there on the newspaper's website, uh, sleep disorder. Guess what? There was, a, there was an article in the paper this morning. I hadn't seen it. They hadn't seen it. But we started to read it. It was, it was in, in the healthy living section of, the Dallas Morning, of today's Dallas Morning News. And, and it was about how to have a, uh, a healthy kid. And it, and it talks about, you know, make sure that they eat right, make sure they get enough sleep, blah, 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 blah. I said to these people, I said, look, it's in this morning's Dallas Morning News. This young lady who wrote this article only spent one paragraph on sleep disorders. It was just an overview of how to have a, a healthier kid. I said, all you'd have to do right now, if you have the courage to try this, is to pick up the phone Call the newspaper. All the numbers are, are, are right there in the phone book or on the Internet. Call the reporter. If you get voicemail, don't tell us what you want because we often make decisions on you on your voicemail and, and can delete you. And, and in order for my strategies to work, you really want the give and take of a phone call. And say, listen, I, I really enjoyed this morning's article, and you touched on something that I'm very passionate about. Call me back to I have a story for you. And, Tom, this trick works once if you didn't do your homework. This is, this is the boy that cried wolf if you did not do your homework. But you are pitching the right reporter because she mentioned it. I mean, she, she talked about sleep disorders. Right. So, so if she calls you back, you start with her favorite subject, which is her, right? My favorite subject is me. I love it when somebody recognizes me in the grocery store. I, I loved your report last night, Jeff. I mean, that makes me smile from ear to ear. You say, hey, I, I enjoyed your article this morning. 
you, you mentioned a lot of stuff about how to have, have a healthier kid, and you touched on, on sleep disorders. And that's something I'm very passionate about because at my sleep clinic we're seeing more and more kids. These are kids that are staying up late, they're IMing they're their friends, they're chatting with their friends online, and they're not getting to bed till after midnight. And then they have to get up early for school, they're falling asleep in school, the, the teachers are, are calling them dumb, and the next thing you know a kid is walking around with a label that they're, they're not smart. And, and, and it just uh, it, it horrifies me to think that some parents are allowing this to happen. And, and, and in some cases, they, they actually have a, they've got a sleep disorder that needs treatment. Okay, Tom, I say to people, this phone call takes all of three minutes to make. Hmm. In terms of homework, it took two minutes. We've, we, we found that person with one search. And if she gets rejected on the phone, she's going to know. It's very clear when a reporter's blowing you off, right? The reporter's right. not in, not into it. He's he or she's typing. You, you you can tell they're a little distracted. They're saying mm-hmm mm-hmm mm-hmm. They'll say I, it sounds interesting. That's a deadly word if we say it sounds it sounds interesting. <laughs> We're probably not probably not interested. But conversely, if they are interested, you also know it because they're going to be asking you a lot of questions like. Uh. Really, are there any statistics on this? How many how many children um, you know are falling asleep these days? Is it worse than it used to be? Or do you have an example? Is there a family that we could talk to? The reporter is going to get very excited and is going to communicate to you that they're they're going to do a story with you. And and here's the best part: if you if you are striking out and you get the wrong reporter by chance, you didn't spend a dime with this this paper. It doesn't mean you're you're not in the paper. It doesn't mean you can't get in the paper just means you pitched the wrong reporter. So you dust yourself off, you go back to the Internet, you find another reporter, and you begin again. Jane Doe, I love your work. And you just go down the line until you find the reporter who's going to tell your story. It uh, sounds simple, and it is. It really, it's really as easy as I described it. And, and you should have I, – I, I wish you had been there this morning because when she pulled up an article that was in this morning's paper – it, you would have thought she she won the lottery. She, she, she was so surprised that it yeah. was so easy to find the right reporter. Well, you think of a, of a of like just a newspaper, and you think of how much content is created every single day, and how much required content is for that next day, and and the, the whole concept of feeding frenzy um, is you know it maybe has a couple of 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 components to it. One is what's already happened uh, in terms of what was written yesterday. Right. But, right. but it seems to me that that there's other feeding frenzies that that people can respond to. Absolutely. Well, I mean, uh, there are scheduled feeding frenzies, the ones that are on your calendar. You know, there's a the Valentine's is a feeding frenzy of love, right? The flower people, the chocolate people, the limo people, the restaurant people should okay. jump all over. That. Can, I, can I ask you a question then? How does a business-to-business company that has nothing to do with uh, with the the typical feeding frenzy, how do they sort of jump into that space? Can can they be a part of sort of the Valentine's feeding frenzy? They can, they can. It's it's kind of a backdoor approach. It's uh, you're not directly advertising your business, but you're building great goodwill and um, um, a higher profile in your community for being a good guy. So let's let's take the shredding company that has absolutely nothing to do with Valentine's Day. Yeah. But what what if what if that um, that 
uh, shredding company decided that because of Valentine's Day and because there are so many troops overseas, that they started a, um, a card campaign. And about a month out from Valentine's Day, they started getting their customers to um, uh, write Valentine's cards to just an anonymous troops. I mean, whether you're pro-war or anti-war, no difference. It just, it's, about the, it's about men and women who are, have their lives on the line and uh, have got to be very, very lonely. So you, you encourage people to start bringing in their cards and letters and, 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 and small gifts, and then you say that you're going to package them up in a huge kind of care package, love package for the troops, and you could make a, a big production out of uh, sending it off. You know, invite the TV cameras there as you send off these hundreds and hundreds of cards and letters, even reading a few to the TV cameras, saying, here's, here's one written by a, a, a four-year-old child. You can uh. see they drew a picture. They drew a picture of a soldier and, and with a tear, and, and it says, my daddy, on it. I mean, you know, those, those are the kind of things yeah. that, that yeah. Uh, you, you can see how that, kind, that, 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 that all, all the, the shredding company is doing is selling what the media is buying. And, and I really think, Tom, people make it too difficult for themselves. Yeah, they, yeah. They say, they say, I wonder if the media would care about this. I wonder if the media would care about this. Well, the newspapers are telling you every day what they care about. The TV newscasts are telling you every single day what we care about. What are we leading with? What's, what's taking up most of the space on the front page of your paper? And if you are selling what we're buying when we're buying it, it's amazing the kind of the kind of success you can have. In, in that little example I just gave you, what you did is you harnessed the energy of two feeding frenzies, the feeding frenzy of love that is Valentine's Day and the feeding frenzy that's been going on for about four years now on the war. Right. Right? Right. And, and, and you know, at DFW Airport, it seems like once a month we're out there getting shots of people greeting the troops coming home and, and, and and, and guys and gals coming and hugging their children. There's an, as long as this war is going on, there will be a feeding frenzy on the troops. And you combine that with another feeding frenzy, you got rocket fuel. You, oh, you that's 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 fabulous. Um, I I love that because because what it does is, and again, I I I try and tell my the people I work with this on a regular basis. It's it's. It's just finding what people want. It's finding what your prospects want. It's finding what I mean the media wants. The media, I, I love that concept. It's it's the concept of uh, sell to a starving crowd. I mean right. the people who are hungry, they're they're the ones who are going to buy what you're you're offering. And so if you understand that people are hungry when they come out of the the football stadium, set up your hot dog stand, and people will buy those hot dogs. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. It, it it's it is kind of sales one on one. Let me yeah. let me give you another another sliver from this book because I think it would be uh, important to your the the listeners here is uh it's a it's a chapter called the slow news day theory and the slow news day theory comes from two decades of me experiencing the pain that is a, a big holiday. What I mean by that is when, when we come up on a big holiday, the Labor Days, the Memorial Days, Christmas, New Year's, Fourth uh, of July, those are, those are times when newsmakers go away. And I tell people that news is actually a supply and demand business. Nobody actually looks at it that way, but it is. Think about it. Five days a week, 52 weeks a year, we are doing the same amount of news at my TV station. 
Hmm. As long as we're selling those TV commercials, we are giving you the same amount of news. It happens to be seven and a half at my TV station. It's an enormous amount of news. And, and despite the fact that we have so much news to fill, that monster that we created for ourselves, the news monster, is incredibly well-fed most days. You know, we're getting 2,000 press releases a day on, on an average day in my newsroom. You can imagine how well-fed that monster is. Wow. But around government holidays, the newsmakers begin to disappear on us. Why? Because uh, judges aren't holding court cases, right? City council decides to uh, move a meeting back. Nothing going on at the county level, at the state level. Even even the White House becomes silent, and, and George Bush goes to Crawford. So... Um, when newsmakers disappear, especially the government newsmakers, we're already in a bad situation because half of our news comes from the government. I mean, the listeners right now could, could pick up their morning paper, I guarantee you, no matter where they are, and at least half of the, the articles on the front page will come from the government. I've been giving this talk now for free for three-plus years. It doesn't matter if I'm talking in Vegas or Orlando or, or Calgary. It doesn't matter. I can pick up the paper, and that day's front page, half of it comes from the government. Hmm. Now, around the bigger government holidays, those, those Fourth of Julys, you can also eliminate our only other large source of news, which is corporate America or corporations, because what happens is they go on holiday, too. Right. They, they, you know, right? CEOs are, are are looking at the calendar, saying to their PR department, "What are you on crack? You're not going to send out a press release on the Thursday before the Fourth of July. I've got seven days. I'm out. Of, I'm 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 at the lake." So, so when all our newsmakers go away on us, and we still got to put out the same amount of news, it's amazing the kind of coverage you can get. Ah. So, what I tell people is either harness the energy of a feeding frenzy like ID theft for, for, uh, for a shredding company, yep. or just avoid all the other newsmakers. Schedule your event when nobody else is selling the media anything. Those are the days, those are the few days when we actually read press releases. Wow. I hope, I hope that helps. Oh, that's that's fabulous. I love that because again, it it gives it gives us a, a you know a, an opportunity there to not be among the two thousand other ones that are hitting your desk on a regular basis. Exactly. So, what are some of the mistakes that people are making? Um, you know that 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 really turn you off. The biggest turnoff, and I think I can speak for just about any reporter, is people don't know what we do for a living. They're pitching the wrong story to the wrong reporter. And I tell my audiences that you can, you can take the same story, pitch it to 100 reporters. 99 of them won't care about you. One of them's going to love you and put you on the front page. And, you know, thanks to Al Gore inventing the Internet for us, now, now, now you never have to wonder who, which reporter would like your story. All you'd have to do is put into Google or Yahoo or whatever search engine you prefer the the name of the, uh, the 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 topic you're trying to search. So let's go back to the shredding. Um, you put in uh, ID theft and shredding into Google or Yahoo, and you're going to pull up dozens of articles written by publications all over the country that would get it. If you want to narrow your search a little bit because you only care about your local paper, then you can actually go to that paper's archives and search that. But the first thing you want to do is make sure that you, the story that you're pitching is matched with the reporter who buys your story for a living. Now, how, and, does, how does that work, though, when, when you're going through the gatekeeper all the time? 
Well, uh, that's why I say bypass the gatekeeper. You oh, okay. Want to, uh, you want to avoid the gatekeeper at all costs. Gatekeepers are not invested the way reporters are because our ego kicks in. I uh, I pride myself on my work. I want to be recognized in the grocery store for good, compelling stories. The gatekeeper, they're not on TV. The gatekeeper is not generally getting their name in the paper. Right. All they're doing is um, making quick decisions on um, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And if they throw away some good stories, who cares? Right. Like, the newsroom won't even know if they throw away a good story. I, I can't tell you how many times Channel 8 or Channel 5 will lead with something and uh, that we don't have it, and then they'll, they'll, uh, they'll say, clearly, clearly, go call that company that, that – uh, that they're, the, the competition is doing a story on, and I'll call them and I'll say, hey, why didn't you send us a press release? And they'd say, we did. And then I'd go over to Gary's trash can, and I'd sift through it, and I'd find their press release, and I'd say, Gary, why'd you throw this away? And he says, my bad. <laughs> right. That's it. I mean, you know what I mean? He's, he's uh, and, and generally speaking, the, the gatekeeper's not going to be chewed out for throwing away a happy news story. They, those guys get paid to do only one thing, to listen to the scanners and make sh- make sure we're not missing a big breaking news story, you know, a, a double homicide or a huge fire or, or a car chase. That's what they get paid for. The, uh. the press releases are actually kind of a nuisance because they, 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 they force the assignment manager, uh, gatekeeper, to take their eye off the ball, not, not be quite as tuned into the scanners as they would normally be, and, and they're a distraction. So I say bypass the gatekeeper at all costs. Go straight to the reporter who's going to be most likely to tell your story. And and if you start with that simple formula of stroke their ego, just compliment them. Uh, it doesn't have to be over the top. You don't have to be a stalker. Just just you know <laughs> make make a, make a nice make a nice mention that, that you know you enjoy their work. Or, and the more specific you can be, the better. Because if if somebody says Jeff, I love your work, it's actually too broad a compliment. I I'm a little suspicious. I'm a little bit. Um, wondering if you're just kissing up, but right? If but if if they happen to say to you, "Wow, love love the seven the the thirteen um the the thirteen videos you have on uh, YouTube that that hey you know, you're good, dude. Watch last you're night. Those, those would be quite you're important. Good. It's working. You're putty and I. <laughs> and the I'm, fact I'm that your your wife right is a, a superstar in Dallas as well. Look at you. You did your homework. You're very good, dude. You're very good. So, no, and, and I mean, even when I'm being played, I, I still love to hear it. It, it. It's flattering to my ego that people take the time to care to figure out what you want to do. So you go back to the pet peeve, the pet peeve of all journalists universally, and I, can, I think I can speak for people in Tokyo, is people calling us up and not really knowing what we do. Hmm. So... You know, I, I get PR firms, Tom, and, and, and these are PR firms that are paid very, very handsomely to pitch me stories. And there'll be some young lady right out of college with a freshly minted PR degree, and this is how she begins her pitch. At least once a week I get this call. It'll be some young lady who says, now, now um, Jeff, are you the guy who's on TV or are you behind the scenes? <laughs> I'm I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, you didn't. That's not, oh, my goodness. I'm I'm gonna need to trans I'm gonna need to transfer you to DT. Who's DT? Dial tone. That's that's a that's a bad pitch. You you know you you start with just a sincere compliment. Hey, I, I enjoy the compassion you bring to your stories. I that story last night really touched me. Hey Jeff, the reason I'm calling is, and then you just slide gently into your pitch. And if you strike out, oh well. I mean I I can't tell you how many people have uh, 
I've blown them off on the phone. I'd say, you know what, I don't, I don't know that that's a news story. And then I'll wake up the next morning, and what, they're talking to our anchors on the morning show. And I, and I kind of stand up and I, I applaud. I say, bravo. You figured yeah. out that there are other doors into a newsroom. And if you looked at your newspaper, you'll find that there are many, many doors to, into a newspaper, different sections. And let me, let me just give you a for instance, because one PR firm uh, told me this and it stuck with me. They said that their client was McDonald's, and they wanted to work their the, uh, McDonald's goal was to get into every single section of the newspaper. Well, I mean, some of them were, were obvious. You know, the, the food section would be obvious, and the business section would be obvious. The PR firm was having trouble thinking about how to get McDonald's into the religion section. And then it, they, uh, the light bulb went off, and they said, you know what? You talk about kind of a united nation of faith. That they all gather underneath the golden arches. You have you have uh, Jewish people, Christians, Muslims, all you know, all working side by side. It's it's uh, it's it's harmonious. Yeah. And they pitched that to uh, to the local paper here and and got their client McDonald's in the religion section. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm sharing that with your listeners because if they think creatively, if they think, what do I have to say that would be of value to these readers, these listeners, these viewers, I think it, it, they'll be amazed at, at just how um, easy it is. So, so it sounds to me like um, a, a, a mistake people make is is sometimes just going through the um, you know going through the, the the gatekeeper. Another mistake they make is they call you um, they call you and don't have a clue who you are. They just they, they found your name somewhere and they don't really know what you're about. Um, it, are, are there there's some other mistakes they make when they get get you on the phone? Yeah, they if they sound like a commercial, I'm very put off. I'm very put off and. I kind of learned this lesson myself, and I'll share this with with the listeners. Uh, when I wrote this book on publicity, I, I said I made two promises. I said, number one, I will not buy advertising, because this book is all about the thing next to the ad called the article that you get for free, and the thing that's seven times more believable than the ad that sits next to it. Right. Right. I, I made a second promise. I personally decided I won't hire a PR firm. I'm not. I'm not anti-PR. I just believe you know track your dollars, make sure you're getting value. But I, I thought it was would be greatly hypocritical for the guy who wrote a how-to book on PR to have a PR firm, right? So, so I made a promise that I would I would do it all on my own. And so when I when I get my free talks now, Tom, I hold up this book and it's it's filled with probably four dozen articles that I got one by one by one, picking up the phone, doing the doing these strategies just the way I've outlined them for you for your listeners. But in the early days, if I remember back, I wasn't having nearly the success that I do now. And when I look back on it, I realized where I was falling short. And this is it falls under the second pet peeve. I was sounding like a commercial for my book. When I when I picked up the phone to call these journalists, I was not you know, I had them when I was talking about their favorite subject, them but as soon as I slid gently into my pitch, it wasn't gently at all. It was very abrupt. It was, it was. Uh, I wrote this book, and I wrote about, and I mentioned the book like like 15 times in the first minute. And then when I wasn't having success, I looked back and I said, "Okay, clearly, what happened? Why why did that pitch fall short?" And and I had a V8 moment, and I said, "I know why it fell short. You hate it when people sound like a commercial on the phone to you. You sound like a commercial for your book." Take that spotlight off of yourself for a second, Curly. Put it on the message. What is the value that you bring to these magazines and newspapers? 
And when, as soon as I took the spotlight off myself and put it on the value I brought to their readers, uh, I in, instantly took my, my own PR game to the next level. So pet peeve number two is don't sound like a commercial. Bury the commercial. Don't worry, you're gonna get a commercial. You're right. That, that's that's the hard part to remember. I think we're so we're so focused on trying to pitch ourselves that we 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 miss the fact that once we get a story, we that we get the commercial. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they have to they have to give you credit. Who are you? What company are you with? And these days, I mean, once you figure out you're gonna be in the paper, then then most most newspapers, most TV stations are are real good about putting in a a, a little plug like your website or or whatever contact information that you, you want to have out there. Why? Because, to be honest, we don't want to hassle from... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, hey, to move my car because I just heard a, there's a leaf blower guy who's out here. This is reality, this is reality uh, audio here. I love it. There's a leaf blower here, and he's going to interrupt our, our conversation. But, but, but essentially, I, by... Um, Remembering that the journalist's job is to give value to their readers, listeners, viewers. The more you can do to uh, achieve goals and to keep the spotlight on the value you bring to to their their audience, the better your your PR game is going to be. Hmm. Wow, is is there um, is there value in um in still presenting press releases, though, when you know you're not following a feeding frenzy or you're not sort of in that slow period or that quiet time, is there value in sort of a perpetual um, in doing it on your own, but but pitching press releases to to local media, the the ones that are targeted, if you understand who you're trying to, mm-hmm. to pitch to, is, is there value in doing that? Well, uh, what I tell people, my, my philosophy is if you really want to sell something, uh, well, there's, there's three ways to sell in my mind, face-to-face, on the phone, or by Internet. And if you, if you, if you look at this as a sale, you know, uh, people who want to get on the news are the sellers of news, journalists are the buyers of news. If you could be face-to-face and you could walk down to your local paper and, and have a cup of coffee with the journalist, face-to-face, that would be by far the most effective way to sell. Most people don't have that luxury. You know, you're not going to walk down to the, to the paper if it's a large metro- metropolitan. So the second best way to sell is on the telephone. You can gauge reaction. You can retreat. You can change your benefit. You can, you can tell where the pitch is going wrong. And then lastly is the Internet. I mean, it's the least effective way. It's, it's called spam. You know, uh, we, and yet, unfortunately, it's the most common way that news is being sold to newsrooms. So I say start with a phone. If you get the journalists on board, if they're liking your story, often what the journalists will do is say, hey, this, this sounds cool. Uh, can you send me something on that? And if you have a, a press release ready to go, you're able to say absolutely. In fact, your your email is joeblow at eyewitness7news.com, right? Boom, I just sent it to you. It's in your inbox. Uh-huh. That, that way, right? That way it's it's you know that it's not going anyplace but right to that reporter. And often when we're on the phone, most of the time when we're on the phone with you, we're sitting right in front of our computers. So that allows you to bring in other things like if you have some visuals that you wanted to show people, you could say, hey, listen, Joe Blow, while I got you on the phone, just go to shredit.com, and you'll see these huge shredding machines that we have. And you can kind of guide the reporter through what they would see if they sent a TV camera. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, that's, that's, that's perfect. 
Yeah. So I think I think the press release is still important, but you never want to blindly send it first. I tell people if you if you if you're blindly blindly sending out press releases, all you're really doing is killing trees. So just be very targeted. It's it's not a, it's not a shotgun approach to PR. It's a very targeted one by one by one approach. It, well, you it does, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, you you have a very interesting way of of sort of um visually uh, describing the uh the effect of multiple press releases hitting the newsroom. Yeah, I I I call it a snowstorm. I mean, it's it's, it's uh, you you pick your analogy. We are we're we're inundated in a blizzard of these things every single day. And so, knowing that the that the primary vehicle for getting news into newsrooms, the wheels have shot off that car. We got to find another way. We got to hitchhike. We got to we got to we got to go old school. And and if that means picking up the phone and calling a journalist and doing it the old-fashioned way, then then I think that's the way to go. Now, eventually, what will happen, Tom, is you will build a rapport with a reporter, and you'll have success. I, I compare a a a first story with a reporter to a blind date. You want everything to go well. You want you want the music to be great. You want the the waiter to be, you know, on on his or her best behavior, right? You want everything perfect because you want a second date. Same same thing with a reporter. So you, you have it well thought out. So let's let's go back to the original an analogy, the shredding company that that had jumped on the feeding frenzy that was some medical documents left in a dumpster behind the doctor's office. Right. A a, perf, a perfect date goes like this. You say, um, Joe Blow, you did a great story last night on on um, those medical documents found behind the doctor's office. It horrified me because I'm in the shredding business and I see this all too often. And in the year 2007, with all these identity theft victims, it's it's unthinkable to me that large companies and doctors would would uh, would would risk some something like that. I would love to help you do a great follow-up to last night's uh, story by taking you out and, and doing a day in the life of, of a shredding company because you'll see what we do with these documents. There's great video. There's uh, great sounds. In fact, if you're really interested, I can introduce you to a customer of mine who uh, got us after a, uh, a scare about three years ago. And, and, and what you have to do, Tom, is you have to you have to go into your client list and say, who's our poster child? Who would be the best person that we could we could use to to uh, impress on the viewers our value uh, position? And so, if you found a client who was on board and, and wouldn't mind a little publicity themselves, now you have a what I call one-stop shopping, and uh. you you put it all in a little bow for the reporter, and you hand it to them. You say, look, I can get you statistics. I can get you video. You're going to have great audio of this stuff being shredded, and I'm going to even introduce you to this guy who three years ago, you know, it wasn't shredding, and and they had a they had a they had a scare. They had a scare because a couple of these documents um, uh, were missing, and that's when they said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. We don't know where these documents ended up, but we're going to make sure that doesn't happen again. And you can talk to this guy. He's, he's going to be a good television story for you. I think this is going to be everything you need, Joe Blow from Channel 8 Action News, <laughs> everything you need to tell a great story, a great follow-up to last night's story. Oh, now, that is it, fabulous. Do you love it? If you did all that homework for the reporter and you handed it to him, that reporter loves you. Oh, he yeah. loves you. And and the date goes along so happily. I mean, you meet all his deadlines. You do it on his schedule. And that's the thing that you're going to find about reporters is that, is that we're very arrogant. We, we think <laughs> that the world needs to stop for us. I mean, we, I work in a weird universe. 
I work in a universe where they hand me a story at 3 o'clock, and I have to have that thing on the air by 5. I, I, I become a gorilla. I, I really do. I pick up the phone. I call the person that I need to make this happen. And, and in a way, I'm, I'm urgent and arrogant because I like to think that the world is going to stop what it's doing uh, who you know? It doesn't matter that they're meeting with clients. It doesn't matter that they're swamped <laughs> under with other stuff. That they're going to shove everything aside and make time for, for a television interview. But uh, th- that's that's how we operate. I mean, if you can imagine the, the deadline pressure that a, a reporter's yeah. under when they have two hours to be, between getting the assignment and then standing in front of a TV camera live, you know, not, they're not going to move that five o'clock news back to five thirty just because Jeff isn't ready. Right. They're going on. They're going on as soon as Judge Judy's up. So, so Jeff is. <laughs> has got to get that going. And and, and, and the people that, that I love, the, the, the people that I will keep going back to year after year after year are the ones that say, Jeff, um, I've got a lot of stuff on my plate right now, but you are important to me, and I will, I'm going to move some things around. If you can come over to my office in the next 20 minutes, I'm going to have about five minutes for you between, between patients. Come on over here, and I'll talk to you, and, uh, and, and I'll, I'll help you get that story on the air. I, I'm in your debt. You know, oh, yeah. I, I'll use you again and again and again. And so I, I, I think um, one of the takeaways from this call is be available. When a reporter calls you, I mean, if you start these, these dates going, when the reporter calls you, understand that you want to be their go-to person. You want to be the, the only name in their Rolodex when they think a shredder or whatever. And, and they won't have to get another name in their Rolodex if you always respect their deadlines and, 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 and try and work with them. Oh, that's fabulous. I mean, that, that, that to me is, is such valuable advice and valuable information that, that uh, it, yeah, it's wonderful. Let me, let me, one of the things you, you mentioned about me, you say you're so colorful in your language when you, when you describe a newsroom and, you know, the shotgun approach and stuff like that. I, what, I'm, what I'm doing on this call right now is something that I encourage people to practice which is speaking in sound bites. There's a chapter in the book called The Soundbite Machine. And what I, what I, I, I did was I, I just, as I was writing the book, I said, you know, there are some people that we will quote year after year after year. Why is it that we keep going back to these people who just seem to have the gift to gab or they just they put things in such a colorful light? And I started to analyze what makes a great soundbite. And I, let me help your, caller, your, your listeners with that right now. There's there's a boring way to say something, and then there's a clever way to say something. So let's take the shredding thing because that's been our theme. The the guy is trying to make an impression on a reporter, and and keep in mind when you're on the phone with a reporter, it is an audition. It's an audition for the interview. They're judging you. They're saying how fired up is this person? Are they passionate? Or are they right. going to be a stiff when they get on television? So so get in the right frame of mind to make the phone call. But if I really wanted to to, to make a a pitch that would that would have the reporter salivating, I'd say, you know what, in the year in the year two thousand and seven, the idea that a doctor's office is not shredding every single piece of information is like having a big expensive house, leaving the doors wide open with a welcome mat saying, Come on in, rob me. <laughs> Okay, what what did I just do? I just, that was a soundbite. Yeah. It was. I think the best soundbites, Tom, are the ones where it's an analogy. You're comparing one thing to another thing, and one of the illustrations I use in my book that I think is very powerful is uh, many of the the listeners are going to remember Walter Mondale turning to Gary Hart during a debate about 20 years ago 
turning to him and saying, you know what, Gary, you remind me of that TV commercial, Where's the Beef? It was a it was a knockout punch. I don't know how old you are, Tom, but but that was that was the defining moment of of Hart's campaign. Well, not to mention that he got in trouble with someone named Donna Rice. That had something right, to do with it. Right, right. So, that that could have had an effect. It, it, it had a little something to do with it too. Yeah. But in terms of of the line of all the debates, that was it. That was that was the moment of the campaign where where things tipped for Walter Mondale. Okay, let's analyze that. That soundbite, first of all, nobody is nobody is going to ever confuse Walter Mondale with Walt Whitman. He's 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 smart. He's clever. He's not that clever. He didn't right. write that on the spot. He had speechwriters that I'm sure were back in the in the uh, campaign office, eating their sandwiches, watching TV, and then this Clara Peller lady comes on TV, t- you know, marching into a Wendy's and saying very defiantly, "Where's the beef?" Right? Or marching into another restaurant saying, "Where's the beef?" She became the 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 poster child for for Wendy's, but but I you know what happened? They they, they you, I can just imagine them saying, "Hey hey Walt Walt come on uh, Senator come on in here, take a look at this this Clara Peller the nation loves this woman oh my goodness hey hey I we got an idea for you in this debate coming up on Saturday when Gary Hart starts espousing his philosophies like he does all the time here's what you do you hit him with this one you say you know what you remind me of that TV commercial. Where's the beef? <laughs> and 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 that's exactly what happened. It was a knockout punch. So so take take the DNA of what happened. All they did was they took the ordinary, you know, you have no substance, and yeah. made it extraordinary. So all you're doing is, is 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 polishing it a little bit. If if you have time to think about your sound bites, I think all of us can be clever like that. Oh yeah. You know, I I say I'm not David Letterman, but you give me eight hours to think about a line, and I'll polish that thing, and I can be David Letterman. And most of the time, you if, if especially for those folks on this call who are going to be initiating the call, you can think about your sound bites first. Right. And, and an analogy, it's an old formula, but it's a great way to uh, sound colorful uh, and, 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 and make, the, uh, make the audience love you, make, make the journalists love you. Oh, that's, that's fabulous. Uh, Jeff, we are, um, this has been so good, but we are smoking time-wise. And, um, I, I, you <laughs> that, was know, a, that was one of the fastest hours ever, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. But I, I, you've you've mentioned your book, and I I I think it's it's appropriate for you just just um, tell us a, a little bit more about your book and um and maybe how how we can find that book. Cool. Well, it's it's in all the bookstores, and it's also on Amazon. It's called Free Publicity, and it's also on my website, which is jeffcrilly dot com. J e f f c r i l l e y. And on that website, they can also go and sign up for my newsletter. I have a, a, like a free tip of the, of the week, and you, you mentioned the YouTube videos. I'm starting to experiment with, with video in my newsletters now because I think people need encouragement. They need, they need, they need uh, updates, and, and that's not a commercial. It's just all value for, for uh, your listeners. And, and well, and, I, and I, can, I can vote for them. I've seen every single one, and I, I'm on your newsletter. I've been on your newsletter for over a year now. And um, Thank you. Thank so you. I, I uh, yeah, it's it's good stuff, and and the, the nice thing about it is that it's it's short hits. Um, I, you know, I I do video myself. Um, do videos almost every other day. Um, cool. And um, and it's it's just it, it's a it's a great way to to give people who aren't necessarily wanting the time to read. But I love I love your videos and I watch them and they're they're always in unique and interesting perspectives. 
Uh, Thank you. I, I think it's become, you know, it makes uh, it's a more intimate connection with the, the people on the email list. I had been writing the email for three years, and then it dawned on me. I said, hey, Jeff, you're in television. Why aren't you u- using the medium that you're most comfortable with? And so I went out to uh, to a local department store, bought a $500 camera and a, a cheap $100 editing software. And, and I'll tell you, I'm, a, I'm kind of a computer dummy, but I figured out how to edit my own videos and the hope with YouTube is that it will actually be circulated and, and, and people will forward them to friends. But, you know, getting back to your call, I, I, I really feel uh, blessed that you invited me. I hope, I truly hope that your your listeners will use this. I hope one or two of them will email me and say, hey, Jeff, thanks for, for taking up an hour of your time and, and, and giving us that information because I just got in such and such a magazine or I, I was just on this local newscast and, and and wow, all my friends are calling asking me how did I do it. So yeah, that's, no, that's that's my that's, prayer for you. That's your fabulous. Life. Well, I am so grateful for uh, your um, investment in this call. And uh, again, jeffcrilly.com, dot uh, com, and I'll, I'll make sure that that uh, also goes on the uh, the accompanying. Um, the accompanying paperwork that goes with this CD. So thank you so much for being a part of it. You you uh, continue to have great success in what you're doing, and um, you, hopefully we can uh, get some books sold for you on this. So. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. All right. Cheers. Uh, have a great day. You too. Okay. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.